Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of A Slut With Morals. I'm your host, Ruby, and today I have a very special guest. It is Aiden Mattis from TikTok, your Instagram, oh my gosh, just, and your podcast. I believe you just recorded your first episode of The Lore Lounge. I honestly, like, I can't, like, I watch your TikToks <laughs> all the time, and I can't wait to see your YouTube channel, and I can't li- wait to listen to your podcast, because I travel a lot, so I'm always looking for podcasts to listen to, so this, and I, and I listen to a lot of Spooky, Dan Cummins' Time Suck, that one's been my favorite so far, Crime Junkies, I mean, I listen to a lot of these podcasts, but a lot of them don't have conspiracy theories, you know, they have, like, a in and out kind of thing, you know? Let's get started here. So the Wendigo. The Wendigo, also known as a flesh eater of the forest, its origins begin in northern Minnesota and central regions of Canada. In Legends of America, which is a... So I don't use Wikipedia. When I research something, I go all in and I am always looking for actual facts or like actual lore. I never rely on Wikipedia. So the Wendigo is a malevolent being. It is a monster with some human characteristics, spirit who has possessed a human and made them become monstrous. They're historically associated with cannibalism, murder, insatiable greed, and the Wendigo roughly translate into evil spirit that devours mankind. Now, there are so many tribes across Northern America, and I'm going to butcher some of these, and I know that I am. If you are a part of one of these tribes, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. The Algonquian, Ojibwe, Eastern Cree, Salte, Salte? I don't know. Uh, West Maine, Swampy Cree, Nescapi, and Inu peoples. They describe the Wendigo as giants, larger than humans, and they're strongly associated with winter, the north, famine, and again, starvation. Now, the Algonquian legends describe it as a giant with a heart made of ice, a deformed skeletal body with missing lips and toes, but also the Ojibwa describe it as tall as trees, a lipless mouth with jagged teeth will devour any man, woman, and child that is in their way, and those are considered to be the lucky ones. Because if a Wendigo chooses to possess you instead of eat you, it will hunt down those you once loved and feast upon their flesh. So Native American tribes, give me one second, my child. Um, So Native American tribes describe it as over 15 feet tall, once human, but cursed by magic to wander, wander the land seeking to fulfill their appetite with human flesh. It has glowing eyes, fangs, claws, long tongues, yellowed skin and matted hair god this sounds like one of my ex-boyfriends they're gluttonous and emaciated from starvation they have supernatural powers near and they're a near perfect hunter some of them actually say that they can control the weather whether or not this is true or not once again this is folklore nothing more but i don't know after reading some of this like i'm like yeah this has to be this has to be on point with something. So another thing that I came upon was actually Wendigo psychosis, which, you know, so that's kind of like how the legend started. It's considered by some psychiatrists to be a syndrome that creates an intense craving for human flesh and a fear of becoming a cannibal. Ironically, the psychosis is... I think that the whole Wendigo psychosis thing, while completely real, is also, you know, science's way of trying to explain away what's going on. And there's there's certain examples, like, uh, I think... I think it was Reza Aslan, who was who's a reporter. I don't know who he's with right now, but uh, he 
a human brain for a TV show that he was reporting on a you know, society of cannibals, and he's since just been completely different of a person. It's, it's driven him a little crazy. So it's a modern case. So I, like I was saying, like all of the research that I did, and you're very correct, you know, a lot of this is just, you know, someone's psyche breaking, scientists just honestly just trying to put it together. So the initial symptoms are poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting, which is kind of weird because, you know, like when you are in starvation mode, your stomach is shrinking. And so it's almost like becoming an anorexic, you know, like the thought of food, the smell of food, all of that, it gives, it makes you nauseous. And you're just like, but you're, you're starving yourself, you know? So you have this, this immense hunger. Subsequently, the individual develops a delusion of being transformed into a Wendigo monster. People who have Wendigo psychosis increasingly see others around them as being edible. At the same time, they have exaggerated fear of becoming cannibals. So it's like, I am so hungry. I want to eat the fuck out of you, but I can't, but I want to, but I'm not gonna. So a lot of the times when a person would show signs of Wendigo psychosis, they would try to go to like these traditional native healers. And in these attempts, if they failed and the person became possessed, became either a threat to those around them or they would act violently or antisocially, they were executed. So it's almost like witch trials. If you do this, you're a witch. If you don't do that, you're a witch. And it's like, oh, well, you know, 100% chance you're going to die. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the thing where... They didn't want that around. They didn't want to take a risk with it. So and you, I just, I just kill somebody before you. Pretty much, like that's exactly how around. they did it. Like they had no, they did not care. So there was actually a documented case that occurred in 1878 when a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta, named Swift Runner, suffered one of the worst cases known. So Swift Runner was a trader with the Hudson's Bay Company who was married and the father of six children. In 1875, and I'm sure you've heard of this story, but maybe some of our listeners haven't because a lot of my listeners think that the Wendigo and the Skinwalker are the same thing, but they're not. So Swift Runner was a trader with the Hudson's Bay Company who was married and the father of six children. In 1875, he served as a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. During the winter of 1878-79, Swift Runner and his family were starving, along with numerous other Cree families. His eldest son was first to die of starvation, and at some point, Swift Runner succumbed to Wendigo psychosis. Although he had emergency food supplies, and there were some even available at Hudson's Bay Company Post, about 25 miles away, he didn't even attempt to travel there. Instead, he killed the remaining members of his family and consumed them. He eventually confessed and was executed by authorities at Fort Saskatchewan. And then, of course, a Wendigo allegedly made a number of appearances near a town called Rizzo in northern Minnesota in the late 1800s through the 1920s. And each time that it was reported, an unexpected death followed. And finally, it was seen no more. And do you know, and I'm sure that you do, but the case of Jack Fiddler? That one's actually unfamiliar to me. Okay, so another well-known case... Apparently not very well known, but another known case involving Wendigo psychosis was of Jack Fiddler. He was an Oji Cree chief and medicine man known for his powers at defeating Wendigos. Fiddler claimed to have defeated over 14 Wendigos during his lifetime. And some of these creatures were said to have been sent by enemy shamans and others were members of his own band who had been taken with the insatiable, incurable desire to eat human flesh. In the latter case, Fiddler was usually asked by family members to kill a very sick loved one before they turned into a Wendigo. 
and his own brother, Peter Foote, was killed after turning Wendigo when the food ran out on a trading expedition. And Hudson's Bay Company traders, the Cree, the missionaries, were very well aware of the Wendigo legend, and although they often explained it as a mental illness or superstition, regardless, several incidents of people turning Wendigo and eating human flesh are documented in the records of the company. So this is actually something that, you know, kept on happening, and they were like, ah, you know, just write it down. But in 1907, Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested by Canadian authorities for murder. Jack ended up committing suicide, but Joseph was tried and sentenced to life in prison. He ultimately was granted a pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving the news of his pardon. And it it seems that among the Assiniboine, the Cree, and the Ojibwe, a ceremonial dance is sometimes performed during times of famine to reinforce the seriousness of the Wendigo taboo. It seems like the frequency of the Wendigo psychosis cases has, has decreased immensely in the 20th century. However, the Wendigo creature sightings are still reported, especially in northern Ontario, near the cave of the Wendigo, and around the town of Kenora, which is allegedly... It's, it's been spotted by traders, trackers, and trappings for decades. There are many who still believe that the Wendigo roams the woods and prairies of northern Minnesota and Canada. Kenora, Ontario, Canada has been given the title of Wendigo capital of the world by many. Sightings of this creature in this area have continued well into this millennia, which is something that I actually want to talk to you about because in your one of your TikTok videos, which again... Thank you so much for all of the, uh, you actually talked about one of our U.S. presidents knowing about this and kind of being like, mm, you're kind of a casualty at this point. Yeah. So with that, my, my theory with Teddy Roosevelt is that, and, and if you go back and you read some of the stuff he wrote, he made it very clear that he was partial to the possibility of Bigfoot existing. This is a guy who spent a ton of time in U.S. national parks, national forests, and so if we if we have him writing down that he was not entirely unconvinced that Wendigo, or that Bigfoot was not real, um, you know, if he if he had enough of a belief in Bigfoot to write it down, you've got to then wonder, you know, what what did he believe privately? And I think the timing is interesting that he created the Forest Service with you know, while he believed something was out, and that he kind of created this this ranger system to have people patrol it. And I, I, I would make the argument that, you know, over time, what the government realized was that they couldn't completely control what was going on in the national parks, but that the initial purpose of creating the national forests was so that they could identify areas that seemed to be hotspots and then send specialized uh, military units to those areas to either cull or at least corral these these beings, whether it be you know the Wendigo or things that are similar to it, Bigfoot, whatever. And then over time, the government realized that they needed more and more of these regions, and then created the Park Service as a way to cordon off these areas and and be able to patrol them and be able to manage the hotspots. But when it came to the, the the problem of how how do you do that without getting curious? How do you do that without like you can't just cordon off thousands and thousands of square miles of land without any explanation? So they had to create the national parks and do their best to keep people safe when yeah. in the national parks. And then unfortunately, when people go missing, 
it's you kind of got collateral damage there. Which kind of brings me to my next point. Um, it's just so funny. Like you can't go into the Wendigo and the Skinwalkers without looking into the Missing Four One One. And yeah. for those of you that don't know, the Missing Four One are people that go missing under mysterious circumstances. Like they actually have profile points to kind of put you in that category it's not just oh this person went into the forest and they're gone so now they're part of the missing 411 no this this is like over 1200 people that have disappeared over the decades under extremely mysterious circumstances the, the profile points go as this point of separation time of disappearance near water weather events canines cannot track you geographical clusters and disability slash illness so you have to either and and i was like watching and watching and watching and what i noticed the most is these people that are disappearing are avid hunters and a lot of them are disappearing when they're actually in a group of people and they separate by i don't know less than a mile oh yeah there's circumstances where people have gone missing from right behind the people they were they were hiking with uh chris tompkins i think is his name i think so too yeah, Chris Tompkins disappeared. He was he and friends were uh, they were surveyors and they were walking in a line. They were each about fifty yards apart, and uh, the guy ahead of him would occasionally look back to see if Chris was still there, if he had fallen, if make sure everything was okay. And every time he looked back, he was still there. And then suddenly, one time, Chris isn't there anymore. And they went to look for him. They checked right where he was, and all they found was a pile of spare change and pocket lint. Then a about a hundred yards off the trail. Uh, snagged in some barbed wire, they found one of his boots, and then a long time later, about 900 yards off the trail, in uh, a swampy area, they found one of his other boots. I mean, yeah, so what I what I did notice in the documentaries that I was watching is that if the victims are found, those commonalities are missing clothing, they're found in an area that they were previously searched, and they all have an unknown cause of death. Yes. Uh, or the cause of death doesn't match where they were found. <laughs> right. Like, I was reading one, or I was watching one where it was, like, hypothermia, but there's, it was, like, in the middle of summer, you know? And the coroner was, like, or the person that had performed the autopsy was, like, well, this happens because the temperatures at night go, they're, they're a lot lower. And I'm, like, okay, I was literally just, like, in Wisconsin and Michigan, and it did not go below like 70 degrees like I, you know and I went during the summertime so it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around that when I was just there yeah and there's I mean there's also the case of like Jim McGrogan who uh he was hiking with his friends and then he went on ahead while they rested and they were in an area with very deep snow off the trail so you would have been able to see if he had stepped off the trail there would have been prints and they got to the end of the trail, they couldn't find him, he was nowhere to be found, they had helicopters go up, they searched for him for five days, found nothing, and then 20 days later, they eventually found him, seven kilometers off the trail, he appeared to have died from a fall, he had a broken femur and severe head trauma, but there were no cliffs nearby, he was missing his snow pants and his jacket, and the, the only theory I've been able to come up with from people who comment on my TikToks and whatever is, oh, well, maybe he climbed a tree to get away from a bear, and then he fell, and that still doesn't explain how he got seven kilometers off the trail, why he never called anyone from his cell phone, why he was going the wrong way when he had a working GPS. Like, it's it's cases like that where when you look at everything put together, 
it clearly doesn't make sense. There's no possible way that this person just got lost. But people, and it's it's very odd because people will get uh, belligerent about it when you suggest that something strange happened. They'll be like, oh, how dare you suggest it wasn't a bear? And it's like, okay, did the bear drag him seven kilometers from the trailhead? You know, how, how what about the no footprints problem? Like, no matter where we go here, you've got to kind of, you understand my point? <laughs> yeah, um, which which is kind of like, it's, it's really funny because the only one, um, so and I'm going to name some of these. I believe it was Ronnie Strickland. He, you know, he was in California, the Sonorian camp uh, in the Sierras. When, when Ronnie Strickland, when his, you know, he was out there in the woods with his friends, um, he heard grunts, whoops. And he said, whatever I'm, I'm hearing, it's big. It's very, very big. And, you know, that's when he started noticing that whatever it was, was making these sounds so they start recording these nor these noises and they sent them to dr arlen curlin which is a professor of electrical engineering at university of wyoming and the analysis revealed that these sounds were made by a creature physically larger than a man based on pitch and sound its height is estimated to be between seven seven foot three inches to about eight feet in height and and it, and it was definitely more than one. So the sound frequencies were lower than human, and it does and it did not indicate it to be human vocalizations. So, you know, in a, in a way, it was like there was more than one, and I think they were being stalked. You know what I mean? Like they were being like, "Hey, there's some food over here." But I I was also you know thinking um so in Santa Fe the Santa Fe clusters, they call those think that people that disappear there are alien abductions, which if you go to New Mexico, you already know. I mean, Roswell, you know what I mean? That's where the crash landed. And then in Montana, those, a cluster of mountains called um, the Crazies. And those are said to be cursed by the Crow Indians. And it was said uh, for wind to blow and drive the white man crazy. There are no grizzly bears, but there have been claims made to have seen a grizzly bear, but these are all at night. They're not during the day. And I mean, these, these hunters that are, that are disappearing, they're all in good shape. They're great hunters being hunted, honestly, because the autopsy reports, as you said before, they don't match the crime scene photographs. Yeah, it's actually all, it, it, none of it actually fits. It, they, they will write something off. They'll be like, oh, well, the cause of death was this. And then that's when they stop asking questions. And then anytime you try and ask more questions, they're like, it would be really respectful disrespectful to, you, to the family to keep asking questions and it's like no it's not disrespectful it's i'm trying to figure out what happened because if there's something out here then other people need to know about it you know i understand mm -hmm. that it might be traumatic for your family right. to to deal with this continuing to be a problem but you need to understand that if there's something out there and the government is hiding it then it just hurts everyone if you keep it secret and if you stop it at oh well the family has asked for respect like i, I understand I understand. Don't bug the family, but continue to press the government for answers, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was even thinking about, you know, in, in California, all of these wildfires. Like I said, you know, I, I just mentioned California and these, and I was thinking, I'm like, are all of these wildfires maybe like affecting them? Like maybe they're choosing to leave, you know, their caves or where they're hibernating because honestly i really i honestly i think they hibernate during the summer they're attached to like the winter and and the north and all of this and i was like 
are these fires, like, could they possibly be affecting this? And pretty much the places where all of this supernatural phenomena is, is going on, they're, they're not affected whatsoever. Did you know yeah. that? It's all very weird. Exactly. Very weird. So, so now getting out of the four one, the missing four one one, because I, as much as I love that conspiracy and everything that's going on behind it and how possibly it's attached to the Wendigo, there is still something else it may be attached to or associated with, um, which is the Navajo Skinwalker. So, the Navajo Skinwalker is a wicked sorcerer, or is to is believed to have been of a good sorcerer, witch, shaman, um, that can transform into, occupy, or disguise themselves as an animal. The Pueblo people, Apache, and Hopi tribes each have their own unique interpretation, but it's it's pretty much all basically the same. They all believe that it's, it's a medicine man that abuses magic for evil, um, and similar to the Wendigo curse, you can become a skinwalker when a man, woman, or child if you're a man, woman, or child, and, and you perform any kind of deep-seated taboo. Now, it doesn't go into what type of taboo it is. I, I don't know. It could be sleeping with your mom. I don't know. That's pretty taboo. But It's usually cannibalism of a friend or family. Okay. So, But I it, it never like specified when I was doing all of this research. But in Navajo... Yeah, the, the, Navajo the Navajo tribes don't like to talk about it with outsiders, so it's hard to find very good evidence. I've heard everything from any cannibalism at all, to committing an act, a taboo act, to killing and eating a family member. It seems like it's very, very vague, mm -hmm. uh, but the, yeah, the undercurrent is definitely that you've got to do something that is, would be a crime against humanity. So, in Navajo stories, they were once... The, once again, I'm going to butcher this word, and if you are Navajo, I am so sorry. They're, they were once nagloshi, or, you know, these skinwalkers, were once divine agents for the holy people when they were first training humans in the blessing way. They were supposed to abandon the mortal world with the holy people, but a few decided to stay behind. Their greed and desire to stay in the mortal plane corrupted the power the holy people gave them, and transform them into malicious semi-divine beings. So it's essentially, it's the Native American equivalent to our fallen angels or Nephilims, which you, you yourself, you talk about on your TikToks as well. Because I was just watching a whole bunch before you came on. My daughter and I were. I kind of do want to talk about the differences in between the Skinwalker versus the Wendigo. For a skinwalker, its features are mostly animalistic, versus a wendigo is more of a humanoid creature that's more of like a skeletor. You know what I mean? Just like a deformed humanoid, in a way. Yeah. And the skinwalker, because I was going to get into the skinwalker ranch thing, but then I was like, you know what? I really don't want to make this into a UFO alien type of podcast, because I, I just wanted to concentrate on the folklore. I didn't want to concentrate on the UFOs or anything like that. But the skinwalker, essentially, it mostly just eats animals. It does like to lure or mess with humans in a way, but it's mostly just like, I just want to eat some cows, you know? And we yeah, all do. It seems like skinwalkers will, will target animals as much as they'll target humans. They're not going to rely yeah. solely on cannibalism as a Wendigo would. Exactly. Um, and, and they also like to screw around with humans. That's why you have people who be 
driving 70 miles an hour down a road, and they'll have a knock on their window, and it's like, hmm, hmm, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. So but yeah, because because skinwalkers are are human, and they just are essentially practicing black magic. You know, they're they're a little bit more. Mm -hmm. They can have children, and they can reproduce, and they have social structure and so all that. Weird. It's just with with cannibalism. <laughs> that is so weird to me that they can reproduce. Like that's just weird. Yeah, because I, I mean, they are they are people that have working human organs. You know. Yeah, I do want to. I do want to tell you my story though, really fast. So a couple of months ago, sure. I went to Las Vegas, and as I was driving through some of the reservations in New Mexico, when we when my family and I were driving back, I don't know what I saw, because what I saw was totally and completely different to what my cousin saw, and so I was driving down, and I believe it was I ten. And I'm like, or I-40, one of the two. Which one is it that, that goes through there? Oh, man. I'm, in, I'm an East Coast kid. True. I do not know. So, anyway, we're, we're driving down this major highway. And it's closing off. So, we're all, you know, like, going into the... We're merging into one lane. And it's, it's open back up again. So, everyone's going, like, 70, 75 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, I see this, like thing kind of just running towards my car and so I'm like watching it and as I'm watching it it's like shifting until it turns into like a little girl and I swerve to not hit it and my cousin actually was like oh fuck you know like he he didn't he didn't say he was scared but he was definitely like uh you know and I said did you see that was that a little girl and he goes because I don't know what you saw but what I saw was not a little girl and so now I'm thinking, can it make you see something and make someone else see something else? Did he watch it? Um, Did he, like, see it before it moved? Yeah, I mean, you can't do that. I just remember... Yeah, like, I mean, the, one of the classic bits of the lore is that it can it can appear differently to other people. It can mimic voices. Uh, they, can, they can read minds. They can travel via the astral plane. You know, but part of what makes skinwalkers such a dangerous read is that they have these superhuman abilities that involve getting inside your mind so they could theoretically present you as as one thing and present to another person as another thing they can also visit you in your dreams um it's they're definitely a, one of these scarier things that lurks out in the dark because like like I, re I remember just like seeing this kid on like the highway and i and i wanted to go back and and help this little girl but then as I was like thinking about it, I was literally just waiting on the next U-turn and then I was like really thinking about it. And I'm like, this kid barely had like its right side of its face organized. Like it didn't have a left side of its face. And I know I sound crazy when I say this, but when I, you know, as I'm thinking about it, like really thinking about turning around and helping this child, my cousin was like, no, don't don't you know and he was like let's go home just keep driving and then he wouldn't even let me stop until we saw the next like super bright gas station and for that i am forever grateful because i'm till this day i am not sure of what i saw like i just remember being like um you know yeah, just, you just saw something that wasn't right that yeah wasn't supposed to be there like my brain yeah, was just uh, like no 
one of my friends was telling me a story about a couple of her friends who were driving through Texas and they looked off to the side into the trees and they saw a large black dog keeping pace with their car in the tree line and it just kept on going. And uh, eventually they outran it and at one point they stopped for gas and it was just one of those big long Texas roads in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, they were sitting there getting gas and, and suddenly, you know, out of nowhere they heard just a woman screaming like, help, help me. Like very clearly they heard a woman screaming, um, but they were the only ones there. It was them and the gas station attendant and they could see just barren, barren planes for miles. And they went, nope, nope, and got right back in the car and drove drove away. And it wasn't the only time they encountered that the whole time. They would hear things. They are knocking on the back of their car. Like, it, this was a persistent one. Like, I just So a, a lot of people have stories. I mean, and I, I mean, and I, I thought, too, like, maybe I was getting, you know, like, highway, like, lullaby, highway, hip, you know, like, you get highway hypnotized, you know, like, you, you start seeing things. Yeah. And that's why people are, like keep your eyes sharp, move them around the entire time. And I'm like, I do. That is why when it happened, I was so just like, we, I mean, me and my cousin were so freaked out. I don't think we talked at all. You know, after he was like, do not turn around. We didn't talk until we saw the next, like, like I said, the the brightest of the bright gas stations, you know, which was a travel lodge. And even then he wouldn't. And I was like, let's take a nap. And he goes, no keep going and I'm like okay like he wanted to be out of New Mexico ASAP and I mean we saw deer and stuff like along the way but that's that's recognizable what I saw was something deformed like I like completely deformed yeah it's uh, there will definitely be some very strange things that you'll see out there especially on those long roads between between the big cities where we're just going through territory that has not, not been tamed and that's what I read about both the Wendigo and the Skywalker. They both not only stalk their prey, but they know every single square inch of their territory. So if you do become their prey, there's no, you have now become the hunted. You are now in danger, which is so funny because I watch these like videos of these people camping and they're out in, you know, these reservations and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, no, there's probably a Wendigo like on top of that mountain just watching you. Like, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I just think about it the entire time, and I'm like, and I'm like, it looks beautiful. It does. It really does. The trees and the waterfalls and, you know, the rock formations, all gorgeous. But at the end of the day, no thank you. Yep. <laughs> the, the other interesting fact that I read about, or fact, right? Is it fact or is it fiction? But... Depends on your perspective. Well, yeah, but... I was reading this to my kid and I'm like, all right, listen to this. So the, if you are ever in the presence of a skinwalker and you have to kill it ASAP, the way to kill it is by a bullet or knife dipped in white ash, which I have no idea yep. what that means. I'm pretty sure it just means white ash. Although you could go with white ash from an ash tree. Amazing. I didn't even know we had white ash trees. I don't think I said that right. <laughs> it's really hard to say. But then when it comes to a Wendigo, if you find yourselves in, in in the presence of a Wendigo, in order to kill a Wendigo, you either have to have pure silver blade or a pure silver stake, strike it right through the heart, shatter its ice-cold heart to pieces, bury it in a church cemetery, then dismember the body, burn the body, and scatter the ashes at Disneyland. 
I'm kidding. That last part, that's a joke. You just, you're supposed to no, just... No, <laughs> uh, so in the, so here's, here's the issue with that. Uh, in the Native American lore, and that one comes, the, the way you can always tell whether it's something that's been added to the lore by Europeans or whether it's something that came straight from the Native Americans mm -hmm. is that the Native Americans, in, in case, did not have metallurgy. They did not have metallurgy. So this is this is where the part where me being a historian comes in to help me with a lot of this stuff. Beautiful. Um, most Native American tribes, I actually can't think of a single one off the top of my head that had metallurgy before colonists got here, and that was one of the best uh, bits of um, trade between the two was Native Americans taught the colonists how to grow corn and wheat in the, the new climate, and the colonists taught Native Americans how to make metal tools. So the story about, oh, you need to pierce its heart with a pure silver stake sounds very much to me like something that would have been added onto the legend. Okay. While the, the actual native lore says uh, white ash for the skinwalker, and then for the Wendigo itself, dismemberment and then burning the body. The problem with dismemberment is that it's very hard to catch one and even harder to actually get a good swing at it with an axe or a sword. So fire is really the best option uh you know trapping it with fire shooting it with white phosphorus a flare gun something like that so it really is in the native lore it very much seems to me like the only way to do it is to set it on fire and the best way to do it is to dismember it and then burn the entire body well there you have it folks from the from the expert himself Aiden, it was such a pleasure having you on the show today thank you once again for taking time out of your own schedule I, I just appreciate you so much. I'm such a huge fan. Your TikToks are amazing. Um, could you tell our listeners where they can follow you? Uh, yeah, you can follow me at, at uh, the Aiden Mattis. That's the A I D A N M A T V I S on just about everything. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've made that my my handle for every single thing I have. Or if you go to Aiden Mattis. Dot card, and that's C-A-R-R-D dot co. All of my links are also there. That's the best way to follow me. And yeah, I can't really think of anything else. Oh, also uh, on YouTube, I am at uh, The Lord Lodge. Thank you once again, that's Aiden. Everything. Yeah, you have been so amazing. And thank you so much for all of your insight. You, I will never yeah. stop following you, honestly. Right. Huge fan yeah, here. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a great time. All right. So I will talk to you later. All right. I'll Short talk tip. to you later. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I will be adding all of the links to Aiden's social medias in the description below. If you want to find out more or even read some of the research that I went through, I'll be adding those links as well. Once again, my name is Ruby. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok on A Slut With Morals. All one word. Remember, be safe and don't whistle in the dark.